0: is real there's power in your name we find hope and we trust in your ways we need real and Jesus is
1: real they've been in our family for so so long but now that's over and brothers and sisters listen if you're in Christ you're a new creation And God wants to set a brand new legacy in place. But it's something that you have to live out. It's not something that God's going to impose upon you. He invites you into it with the knobs on your side of the wall, with the battles that you have to fight. You need to take care of that. You need to honor what God is asking you to do. And when you do that, God will do all that he wants to do.
0: When you confess your sins to Jesus and accept salvation for your life, you are immediately made into something new. The old sins that held you down have no power over you anymore. Jesus isn't forcing you into his kingdom, however. You get to choose to step into this new life, knowing there's battles that need still be fought. Pastor Daniel will share today that your participation now will bring eventual reward in your eternal home in heaven. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Judges chapter 1 as he continues his message, The Conquest Continues.
1: let's open up our Bibles to the book of Judges chapter 1. Judges chapter 1. We've only made it seven verses into the book of Judges. You know, it's amazing though how a few verses can have so much contained within it. You know, we always talk here, we love the scriptures, we love studying God's word together. But one of the things that you always have to remember is that just like our country that we live in, you can view our country from a lot of different vantage points. If you get in an airplane and you fly from coast to coast, you can get from coast to coast in about five or six hours, depending on which direction you're traveling, and you get the 30,000 foot view. Obviously, if you wanted to see it a little bit more, you can take a train that will take you significantly longer than five or six hours, but you still get a street level view, although very quickly, or if you take a car that would take you even longer than a train and you can take side roads and all different things, you'll see it a different way. If you are crazy and you decide you want to bike across the country. It would take you significantly longer, and you get a different vantage point. Then, of course, if you decide that you wanted to Forrest Gump it, and you wanted to run across the country or walk across the country, again, you're going to see it from a different vantage point. And for us, as we study the scriptures, when we're taking a chapter or a couple chapters at a clip, that gives you one view of it. And obviously, you can spend so much time plumbing the depths of a few verses. And so it was really fun, I'll be honest with you, for me just to take seven verses because I felt like I had the liberty to explore things that if I was forcing myself to make it through the entire chapter, we wouldn't have been able to take any of those concepts with the depth that we did. With with that being said, though, we want to try and make it through the chapter today. (laughs) So picking up in verse eight of Judges chapter one, it says this, it says, now the children of Judah fought against Jerusalem and took it and they struck it with the edge of the sword and they set the city on fire and afterward the children of Judah went down to fight against the Canaanites who dwelt in the mountains in the south and in the lowlands and then Judah went against the Canaanites who dwelt in Hebron now the name of Hebron was formerly Kirjath Arba and they killed Sheshei, Ammon and Talmai. From there they went against the inhabitants of Debir. The name of Debir was formerly Kirjath-Sephir. Then Caleb said, whoever attacks Kirjath-Sephir and takes it, to him I will give my daughter Aksa as wife. And Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother, took it and so he gave him. His daughter Access as wife, and now it happened when she came to him that she urged him to ask her father for a field, and she dismounted from her donkey, and Caleb said to her, what do you wish? And she said to him, give me a blessing, since you have given me land in the south give me also springs of water. And Caleb gave her the upper springs and the lower springs. Now, really what we see here is we see the descendants of Judah. They're in the land, but now it's time for them to take all of the smaller cities. Remember, we made the case that with Joshua, Joshua led the children of Israel into the promised land. And as an entire community all the 12 tribes together went to battle to take the big areas knowing that once the big area was done there were still little battles that needed to be fought but each tribe was going to be responsible for the little battles now i always bring this up because in a lot of ways that's exactly what jesus has done for us See, Jesus has already fight and conquered the biggest battles that any of us have to deal with, primarily sin and death, which is none of us can defeat those two foes, but Jesus has done that. But when Jesus does that, he still leaves us to be involved in a lot of other things, like Jesus is not going to take care of your finances. He gives you the tools, and you have to do it. Jesus is not going to make you live a life set apart and pure You have to do that. Now, he's given you the tools because he's given you his Holy Spirit to be able to do that, but he leaves a lot of things in front of us. Does that make sense? So the big things get taken care of, but then there's these little battles that still need to be fought. Now, because the tribe of Judah has this place of primacy in the scriptures... We obviously see Judah going first. We saw what had gone on in the last message with Adonai Bezek and losing his thumbs and toes and all that stuff. I don't want to go back over that a lot. We spent a lot of time talking about it. But now what we see is the children of Judah fight against three cities, Jerusalem, Hebron, and Debir. Now, all three of these cities are well-known cities. Now, first, as it relates to Jerusalem, it says that they took it, they struck it with the edge of the sword, and they set the city on fire. Now what's interesting about Judah of course or Jerusalem of course is Jerusalem becomes the center of the life of the children of Israel but it doesn't happen now it happens later with the life of King David. So you'll see King David will, in 2 Samuel chapter 5, will go in and conquer that land. And this is the place where the temple is ultimately going to be erected. But at this point, it's just another city within the territory that the children of Judah have to take care of. And so sure enough, they fight against it. We find that the city was set on fire. You know, so obviously the Jerusalem as we know it was rebuilt later. And then from there it says, and afterward, verse 9, The children of Judah went down to fight against the Canaanites who dwelt in the mountains of the south and in the lowlands. So they're moving from Jerusalem and they're moving south into this area that was commonly called the Negev. This area in the south which was much more of a, a barren place. It would be kind of the equivalent of for us like Arizona. You know, I'm not knocking Arizona, even though it's hot there. But the idea, it's a more a desert like area. So they go on down there and they're fighting down there. And then it says in verse 10 that they went out against the Canaanites who dwelt in Hebron. And so Hebron, literally the word means confederacy. Its former name was Kirjath Arba, which literally means the city of the four. So the idea of most commonly accepted is that Hebron was a confederacy of four communities. That's why they called it Kirjath Arba. But the names keep changing. And you can imagine that when a city has one name and then it gets conquered by another group of people, it, of course, gets a different name. Now, what's interesting is that we find out a lot here, because if you remember Hebron was well known to Abraham, it shows up in Genesis chapter thirteen, and really the populous clans, because it says here, and they killed Sheshei, Amon, and Talmai, all three of these. Men were the descendants of Anak who were well known to be giants in the land. So if you remember when Moses sent out the 12 spies, Hebron was the place that got them all upside down. There was giants in the land. It was a walled city, all these things. And now they go in and just the children of Judah, of course, with their help from their brother Simeon, they go in, they conquer these three Populous clans of people who were known as giants. They were very tall. And then they continue to go further south to this place called Debir. And Debir was called Kirjath Sephir, which literally means the city of books or the city of records. And so they're moving to Debir. But now what's interesting now is it says in verse 12, then Caleb said, whoever attacks cure just a fear and takes it to him. I will give my daughter Axa as wife and Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother, took it and he gave him his daughter Aksa as wife. Now, what's interesting here is Caleb sees this area and he says, listen, anybody who wants to take that land, you can marry my daughter. Now, I know it sounds weird for us, and I realize this is a completely different culture, but in a culture with an arranged marriage, a man who will go and conquer a city is the kind of guy that you actually might want your daughter to marry. Can I get an amen to that? I always love it when somebody thinks my girls are cute, because they're right, they are cute. But you know, it's like, they're they're young, and so I was like, well, so and so, you know, asked me if I could be their girlfriend. And I'm like, who? And I write their name down, because I want to punt them across the playground but that's a different discussion but then i said well you got to ask him if he's got a job that's what i say now the beauty is is they're all in like fourth grade or fifth grade so i know they ain't got no job and i'm like well if you ain't got no job you can't afford my daughter right and so like in some ways like and any dad of a daughter you know what i'm talking about it's like you're not going to give your daughter to some dude who ain't got no job who's got no courage who isn't a man you know you're not gonna give him to a little boy Like what Caleb is doing, he loves his daughter. He wants his daughter to end up with a great guy. He's like, listen, if you're going to go take that city, then you can marry my daughter. Because for Caleb, he's saying, look, somebody who trusts God is going to step into that. Somebody who believes that God has given us this land. Somebody who embodies the very things that Caleb has held his entire life. Remember, only Caleb and Joshua, these two men are the only two men who are part of the leaders of the group of elders who left Egypt with Moses. They're the only two who are in the promised land. Now, Caleb is the only one left because Joshua has died. So Caleb is like, I want for my daughter, the kind of man who embodies the very principles that I hold because Caleb was a man of faith. He believed in the Lord. Now, here's what I want to tell you, you parents, you should be praying that God would bless your children with the type of spouses who embody the very principles that you hold as followers of Jesus. You should be praying for that. See, we're already coaching our kids. I have no problem. Someone say, well, you shouldn't do that to you. Because I'm like, they're my kids. Like, I, we've been telling our kids, I'm just going to put it out there. You can pray for us. I'm like, listen, you're going to get to choose who you marry, but we all have to agree. And it has to be a unanimous family decision. Listen, you know I'm smart. You tell me you're writing like, that's a good idea. And it was funny because the difference is like, well, you know, well, well, what if, you know, like Obadiah's funny. He's like, well, what if like Maranatha doesn't like the girl I want to marry? Do I really, am I not allowed to marry her? I'm like, nope, if she's got a check, you got to honor Maranatha's check. That's going to be her sister too, not just your wife. And then Obadiah's like, I'm not sure if I like that. Maranatha's like, dad, I'm only going to marry someone who you think is the best. And I'm like, right on. I take a video of it. I'm going to show it to you later every year on your birthday like remember this right here let's take a new one now i'm gonna get every single year and i'm gonna but like i do that because too many of us know what it's like for loved ones to marry somebody who doesn't embody the faith and the values that you have and there's nothing wrong with loving your family enough to say i want my child to marry somebody who holds what i hold to be dear so I know it sounds weird. It's like, Oh, so some guy who's just so strong can go conquer the city. Like he's going to give his daughter. I mean, what kind of dad is that? Like you can put suspicion in that, or you can say, actually the man who wants to go take that city is a man after Caleb's own heart. Cause that's who Caleb was. Remember Caleb and Joshua, two of the 12 spies, they went in, they saw Hebron. They're like, look, it's a huge city and there's giants in there. And look at this, these huge grapes. I mean, this is the f- most fruitful place I've ever seen. And Left up to our own devices, will never win, but God has given us this land and we trust the Lord. And so for Caleb, this is a good deal. And Caleb's younger brother, Othniel, takes the challenge and he goes after the city, takes the city, and then he marries Axel. Now, of course, the elephant in the room, if there was one, was the fact that, okay, so his niece, he married his niece. That's really what went on here. And the answer is yes. Now, that's the way they did it then. They kept, they married within the tribes, the community was smaller. This was common. But we don't want you to do it anymore. Amen? The Christian tribe is much bigger now. So you don't have to marry like a blood relative. And that would be gross in this day and age. So don't do that. So, But the idea is within the same people who, uh, the people of God, the people who are set apart for God. Right, and so Othniel goes, of course, and acts. And this is like a great blessing for for Othniel to be married now to the daughter of Caleb, this great elder in the land, was a wonderful thing. Because obviously, for Othniel, he knows his brother Caleb. He knows the testimony of his life. He's seen Caleb faithfully walk with the Lord all these years, and he knows that the daughter of Caleb, she's a prize. She's a great catch because she's set apart for the Lord. She's learned how to live. She knows what it means to have faith in God. Now really, when I bring up all this really what I want to encourage you is listen your testimony is important you know like your family name and legacy that's important too now we can't go back in uh, and not do mistakes that we've made does that make sense? so you can't go back and redo yes, yesterday we trust our past to Jesus we trust his forgiveness but whatever your family was Jesus wants to make you steadfast in him now Whatever the mistakes of the past were, we trust him with it, but now we go forward in his name today. I'll never forget when I was a young believer, I met this wonderful, wonderful couple, and they were sharing their testimony of what God had done in their life, and they said, look, we come from a long line of alcoholics, and when we got married, we were alcoholics. And they said, and then Jesus invaded our life. And he said, and that long history of alcoholism died when we died and was risen again with Christ and they have four kids and all their four kids are set apart for Jesus married people who love the Lord and he's like and for our family we will never have alcohol in our house at any of our family parties and our families that's who we are because that died when we put our faith and trust in Jesus and I love that because he's like look it's been in our family for so so long but now that's over and brothers and sisters, listen, if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. And God wants to set a brand new legacy in place. But it's something that you have to live out. It's not something that God's going to impose upon you. He invites you into it with the knobs on your side of the wall, with the battles that you have to fight. You need to take care of that. You need to honor what God is asking you to do. And when you do that, God will do all that he wants to do. Now, what's beautiful here is we find out after the fact that that when Axa came to him that she urged him to ask her father for a field. So really what she's saying is that not only, okay, we're married, but we should ask my dad for a field. And then it says, and she dismounted from her donkey, and Caleb said to her, what do you wish? And she said to him, give me a blessing since you have given me land in the south, and give me also springs of water. And Caleb gave her the upper springs, and of course it says, and the lower springs. Now, you know what I love about this? Caleb, once again, embodies things that I want to see in my own life. Not only a courageousness and a faithfulness, but now we see him functioning in extreme generosity. You know, like you have to realize like this was long before like everyone had plumbing and uh, clean water coming into their homes. Remember, I told you that the Southlands were pretty barren. It was dry, right? And so this idea of We need water was huge, right? And Caleb just doesn't give her water. He gives her both the upper and the lower springs. Now you can imagine that in that culture, just like in our culture today, water is a necessary commodity for basic survival. And you can imagine Caleb being like, man, I got to hold on to my water. Like, I got all this land. I got all this stuff. But he gives his daughter, not just the upper springs. He gives him both. Why? Because Caleb is a man who trusts the Lord. Here's what I'll tell you. Your generosity is tied to if you really believe in God or not. That's where it boils down to. When someone says, I believe in Jesus, but I'm not generous. No, you don't. Because if you did, you'd be generous. Because God's so generous, he gave his own son. You know, And what's amazing is, and many of us have experienced this, there is more anxiety over material things in cultures of affluence than in places where there's poverty. I'll never forget it. I did missionary work in Peru, and we were going around. we were serving in Lima, and Lima's a huge city and quite cosmopolitan. you know, but as we were coming to the city, we noticed all these what we would call shanty towns all around the city. And as we were going, I'm like, man, we need to make sure we go out there. So we bought, you know, hundreds of pounds of rice and beans and we were making these little goodie bags and we just chose one and we went in out two by two, went door to door. And I'll never forget it. It's like, you know, I saw some of the most horrendous quality of life issues that I'd ever seen in my life. I traveled a bunch and I saw stuff and it was really heartbreaking. And I remember we went to this one place and... And it was a much older woman. She probably was in her 70s or her 80s, and she lived alone. And right as we gave her the rice and the beans, and we were talking to an interpreter, we were explaining her what we were doing, and we wanted to pray for her. Is there anything we can help her with? She's like, do you have extra bags, she asked. And we're like, oh, yeah. She's like, can I have extra plastic bags? And she started to divide out hers into three other bags. And we're like, what are you doing? She's like, well, I have family members who live about three miles away and I want to separate. I want to give this to them because they need it as much as I do. Now, this is a woman who living by herself, she could have lived on what we given her for probably a week. But right away, she's like, I have family members who need it more than I do. Now, that's in the midst of extreme poverty. But, of course, here we all have cell phones and a thousand channels on our TVs and flat screen TVs and closets full of clothes and shoes. Even you guys have it, too, you know. And it's like you have all this stuff, but yet generosity isn't really quite an American way of life. And I'm here to tell you, even if our culture isn't generous, our God is generous. And if we're Christians, then we're like our God is. He, he's transforming us. Now, listen, whatever your excuses that just popped up in your head are, that's all they are, they're excuses. And you just have to own them. Like, look, okay, so this, is how, this is what happened for me. When I first started to walk with Jesus and I was watching in the Bible and God was working on my heart, I would finally just say, God, I'm just going to be honest. I'm just not a generous person. I'm selfish and I'm self-centered and I'm super sorry. And you know what? Confessing that stuff was really healthy for me. Because when you confess that stuff to God, he knows it already. And then he begins to prompt you to take steps of faith. So here's the thing. If you're hearing this right now and, and you are selfish, and even though you've been blessed, and listen, statistically, if you make more than about $20,000 a year, you are in the top 1% of earners in the globe today. You could look it up. You're in the top almost probably 1.5% of wage earners in the world. So you are wealthy by global standards Maybe not by American standards. And if that's the case, you have been so gifted, so blessed. And I love Caleb because Caleb gives away a precious commodity. Not because he doesn't need it, but because he can. And the reason he can is because he realizes the water is not his source. It's the God who has given him the land of the water. And for so many of us, we live with anxiety over material things, simply because we're not generous in any way because we're trusting the stuff and not the God of the stuff and the only way that we can get over that is to begin to trust God and live how he invites us to live and then you begin to realize when I step out and I'm generous God takes care of things in the most amazing ways and many, many, many of us can share those type of testimonies where you tell stories where God invited you and. Self-sacrificial giving and things came up, and how God provided.
0: Jesus is real. God does incredible things when you choose to give sacrificially. He isn't demanding that you do this; it's simply a suggestion that He even encourages you to test Him on. In today's message, Pastor Daniel shared how you can find stories of sacrificial giving recorded throughout Scripture and the miraculous ways God always provided. He may have done this in your life too. Take that encouragement and let God direct your giving.
1: Jesus is Real Radio is the radio ministry of Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. The messages that you hear each day here on Jesus is Real Radio were produced from messages that Pastor Daniel shared on Sunday mornings and the midweek study. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus
0: Christ. Thanks for joining us today for Jesus is Real Radio. Hey, I wanted to remind you that each day on Facebook, Pastor Daniel shares a simple two-minute message. In this message, Pastor Daniel draws out an important biblical truth that really helps set your day on the right path. So be sure to follow Pastor Daniel Fusco on Facebook and share these two-minute messages with your friends and family. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will remind you that God doesn't always work things out the way you think that they should be doesn't mean it isn't coming together in the right way, though. God has plans and asks you to participate in them, but you must remember that he's the one in control. He can see the outcome long before you even begin. He'll guide you to the right place every time. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series, Arise. Until then, may God bless.